Welcome to I Got Back Up, Getting Back Up With. I'm Talia Lazarus, the founder of I Got Back Up. And in August 2021, my life changed. I was in a road accident, which led me to 10 weeks of no walking, knee surgery that September, and then double knee surgery in February 2022. After learning how to walk again in my 20s, my journey took me through greatest highs and extreme lows. Everybody has a story, and everyone's story is different. But even in the smallest of ways, we can all relate. And as humans, we always talk about when someone is back up, or how, why, and when something happened. We tend not to discuss the middle part, the recovery, the journey, the darkness, and the continuous roller coaster of ups and downs. It's a taboo subject for most, but here it's not. You have the chance to change your story. So come face to face with your fears and step out into the unknown. You don't have to be ruled by those fearful and negative emotions anymore because there is so much beauty and adventure on the other side. You can face all your obstacles and walls with us and those around you. You are not alone. We are stronger together. Dr. Marilyn Woolley is a psychologist and traumatologist with over 40 years of experience, specializing in working with first responders and treating post-traumatic stress injuries. We never always know what is going to trigger us. Sometimes the backlog of things we haven't spoken about builds up and we break. Or sometimes it's not the backlog and it's actually one thing on a random Tuesday morning. We're all triggered by different things and more than not, they catch us off guard. Why did I react to this? Am I crazy for reacting the way I did? You're not crazy and you reacted for a reason. Dr. Woolley can help you understand all of this in How Heroes Hill, which shares true stories of psychologically injured first responders and their transformation from wounded warriors to victorious heroes. You don't need to be who you were before the trauma. That person doesn't exist anymore. There's a new you coming in. So allow it to come in. When something so traumatic occurs, we can move into this new person and let go of the past. A whole new world can arrive with different experiences, people, and ways of thinking, looking, and responding. So on today's episode, I'm with Dr. Woolley. How are you? I'm well. And you? I'm good. I'm good. So where in the world are you? I'm in Redding, California, which is northern California, very northern, above Sacramento. <laughs> so we're, we're very nice. Uh, in in the we're in a, a rural, semi-rural area. It's kind of the wilds of California. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it sounds lovely. It sounds beautiful. California is California is beautiful. So yes, yeah. So obviously today we are going to talk about your book. Um, and obviously why you've written the book and, and how it can help, I think, a lot of people uh, uh, in general, actually. So, you know, the floor is over to you. Well, um, the inspiration came because I uh, volunteer at a place that treats first responders. So I work mm-hmm. with first responders, cops, firefighters, dispatchers, and, and I have to mention them. They are the literal first responders. They're the ones that get the call. And um, medics and, you know, other people that are in the field. It could be uh, other medical people and mm-hmm. other people who respond to disaster or people that are. Mm-hmm. So I work with them. And um, I was probably about 15 years ago. Um, it dawned on me that what is happening with them in their treatment in terms of getting over post-traumatic stress disorder is going on a journey. So, you know, it just kind of all fell into place after that. And I was partially inspired by my 
grandfather by his experiences in World War II. Mm -hmm. He was one of the liberators of Dachau prison camp and developed PTSD from mm -hmm. So, and then I also worked at the Long Beach, Veteran, Long Beach, California Veterans Administration Hospital with Vietnam vets in the 70s. And so it all just came together and I started thinking about how to help these people get better. And, you know, what better than a journey? Because, you know, they have a mission. And so I kind of tried to do the thing with the journey, the idea about the journey in something that would appeal to them, appeal, you know, yeah. something to go on, something to do. So that's kind of how the whole thing started, just kind of coalesced. And mm -hmm. the the whole idea about Edward also, we're calling it post-traumatic stress injury now, even though that's not the official diagnosis, but injury because people, when they are exposed to trauma, um, can become injured. So it's not something that they've had all along or is some, it's not a character defect. They have actually an injury to the brain and the way, what okay. the brain responds. So we call it post-traumatic stress injury now. So, okay. and, and it was very personal to me because my grandfather was so impacted. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, I knew him as a very... Uh, angry, um, not very social, you know, couldn't communicate, just kind of didn't, didn't really have a life in, in after his experiences. And um, I went to the Holocaust Museum in D.C. And what you do is you go in and you get in the elevator and it takes you up to the fourth floor. And they open the door opens up, and there's this huge picture on the wall of the GIs looking in, like you're a concentration camp victim, mm -hmm. looking in, and they all have a thousand mile stare. And that it opened, and I looked at it, and I was just, it was like a light bulb moment. It was like, this is what happened to my grandfather. And mm -hmm. so then all my experiences and learning after that just kind of started filling in the gaps to be able to understand what was going on yeah no it makes a lot of sense and it's interesting that you call it um post-traumatic injury um do you find that kind of what you're doing in the book it relates to not just first responders but do you feel like it can relate to to people that aren't yes definitely lots of people can develop that um you know mm -hmm. most people will have something dramatic happen in their life not everybody will develop an injury from it Mm -hmm. You know, it, it certainly speaks to how to overcome that. And that's the reason I wrote the book, not only for first responders, to give them kind of an anchor to understand it. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I do a lot of what I do in my therapy with people who have post-stress injury. I explain what's going on. You know, you're not crazy. This is what, just what your brain does when you've been exposed yeah. to trauma. So I think it could apply to a lot of people. Yeah, and it's interesting what you say about the that you're not crazy because when people are going through when people are going through any sort of trauma, you do you do sit there and you you do think are these normal feelings and and should I be feeling these kind of things? And I think that's where a lot of people like you said might feel crazy or 
I think that's when people realize, you know, am I going to get better from this? How do you perceive that? Well, that's, I mean, what I tell people is you've had this experience that, and usually it happens when people have very intense emotions during the trauma. Mm -hmm. They feel very helpless, very scared, uh, very out of control. And so that seems to be one thing that feeds into us. Actually, it's part of the diagnosis. Yeah. What I tell them is that, you know, the emotional part of your brain, its job is to keep you alive. It goes on fight and fight. And it, mm-hmm. it reacts faster than you even know anything's happening consciously. So sometimes yeah. actions get rewired and they don't. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to talk about it. What happens when, for example, when you're in extreme trauma, you're the emotional part of your brain is going crazy and the thinking part of your brain turns off. The thinking part. So people have no words to put in yeah. to explain what's happening to them. So that kind of keeps them in this state of the injury. Um, yeah. And go ahead. No, 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 no. I was going to say, and then that's when, when you, and then I'm thinking about it. That's when, if you are triggered by something, why the emotions are so strong then? Yes, and because your body remembers. And it remembers mm-hmm. because that's what it's supposed to do. So the yeah. example I give is, um, say you're you know, a cave person you know, many mm-hmm. eons ago, and you're walking down a path, and you see a cave, and you say, wow, this is a cool cave. You know, the kids could play here and we could plant a garden here. And, mm-hmm. you know, my spouse could put cave paintings on the wall and you walk in the cave and a tiger jumps out and bites you and you escape with your life. The next time yeah. you go down that path, you're going to want to remember, don't go in that cave. Yeah. Right. So that so our bodies react to things on a physical level, you know, on a, a somatic level that we don't even know so the thing about the post-traumatic stress injury is you can be walking along and nothing's happening you're okay you're safe and all of a sudden your body reacts like it's a crisis and it feels weird and people go i must be going crazy there's nothing going on but my body is anxiety and fear and you know sometimes even flashbacks and, you know, I feel like I'm going crazy. So yeah, happens. That's what you, I don't think you can understand post-traumatic stress really, unless you've had it. And, and yeah. The, yeah, the strange feelings that it leaves you with and this self-doubt and, you know, loss of confidence and it kind of steals your soul, right? It, it takes yeah. thing away from you. It, you know you have it because it's always with you. It doesn't mm-hmm. it's always there, you know, bubbling just below the surface. Yeah. The triggers is uh that's it's it's really interesting because you're right, you can be having a you know, a very normal, happy day and something that can just suddenly trigger you and and it's incredible how the feelings can come back so quickly and 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 they're just completely overwhelming and consume you um and i think it's it's definitely like you said it's it's being able to say okay well i'm not crazy um you know th- this is this has come back for a reason but i think the issue is is 
a lot of the time, especially at the beginning when you maybe are going through these is you don't realize maybe that you're being triggered or you don't realize why this, this, this feeling's coming up. It's only until you learn or someone sits down with you and you realize these are actually triggers. Um, but that's a really hard thing to do. And then it's like, well, when you do get the triggers, well, how do you stop it? Like, what do you do? Cause you, people don't want to feel this every time. No. Oh, you know, when I am treating people, first of all, I explain what's happening, you know, and how here yeah. I try to do that. I explain what's happening to your brain at different parts. So, you know, the explanation is that you're not crazy. It's just the way, yeah. you know, I say your brain is doing the best job it can. It's just trying to keep you to survive, you know, yeah. and, and even the, though it feels really funny. So that's the first step. And, you know, the other thing is people, I mean, you know, I, I talk about the journey. People, initially, they don't want to think about it. They don't want to deal with it. And then yeah. so they need to accept the call that you're going to go on a journey and you're going to get better. And there's mm-hmm. things that happen. Um, you know, you, you meet, meet people that can help you. It's very helpful for people with a post-traumatic stress injury to talk to other people with a post-traumatic stress injury. It's very validating for them mm-hmm. to understand that other people go through this too. And then, you know, there's various techniques that we use, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, and a thing called um, EMDR to try mm-hmm. the brain to function better again. And mm-hmm. so you're trying to connect, basically you're trying to connect the emotional part with the thinking part. So that when those things do happen, you have better control over your symptoms. And, you know, yeah. not that it's going to go. I mean, that's the one thing I tell people is the, those, the fight or flight is a very basic part. I mean, it's very deep in the brain. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something that is very um, primitive, obviously, because that's what keeps us alive. And so your symptoms might not all go away forever all the time. but you get to the point where you can manage them better. Yeah. And, and that's, it's not that you're triggered. It's the trigger. Yeah. So the, you know, yeah. relaxation techniques, uh, you know, mindfulness, yoga, all those things, eating right, not drinking. Drinking is, um, if you have PTSI and you drink, you're not going to get better mm-hmm. because it disrupts your sleep. Okay. So basically just, doing all the things that you need to do to remain healthy in your body and understanding it. And, you know, people do other things. I have one client that has a therapy dog and when he has nightmares, the dog wakes him up. So, and that's helpful to him. You know, he's got this nice dog there and he loves this dog. (laughs) And that's, that's helpful. So, but I think probably the most important part is the social connection. You know, being able to be, well, even if they haven't had it, had BTSI, they can understand what their the person is going through. You know, they can validate them yeah. because they're crazy. They can calm them. I mean, we're social animals. And, you know, that's, I mean, the thing that's going to keep you healthiest is having good social connections. And that's the irony of it, because what happens with, PTSI is you tend to isolate. So it just makes it worse. You don't yeah. 
that you know that you really need yeah and i think it's important uh a phrase that i seem to use a lot and people use a lot is is to remember that you're not alone but that's the thing is you but you don't necessarily see that at the time and you don't feel it and you can feel very very alone when you're going through these and i think that's when maybe a lot of people might also then would you say struggle in silence yes they do they Mm. you know it sounds i mean when you describe what's happening to you it sounds really strange and you know why do you want to talk about that the other thing i have with first responders is sometimes they don't talk to their families because they don't want to relive it. They don't want to, yeah. you know, they go home after the day is over and they don't want to talk about that call. They don't want to think about that call. So why would they want to mm-hmm. think about it? And then it just adds up and adds up and adds up and it becomes cumulative. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's how maybe then in a way it can also relate to people that aren't first responders because whatever they're doing in their day to day, if there is something that, they want to block or they do want to, you know, they don't want to speak out loud about those are the little things that sometimes might add up. And eventually it's like, you know, the case where it's like the case where sometimes if you break down over something, over something tiny, minor, you know, minute, and you sit there and you know, that isn't the thing that made you break down. It's actually a whole backlog of things that have built up and up and up. And then that tiny little, I don't know, stab you you uh, you stubbed your toe on the door that's the thing that made you break down do you see what I'm, it's it's usually that tiny little thing that makes you kind of crumble over but it's actually a backlog of things that you haven't you haven't you know spoken about yes and that happens very frequently you yeah. <laughs> and you know people will say why do they react over this i mean i i've had yeah. a hundred of these calls and i was fine why today and, you know, we never really know what's going to trigger somebody. Uh, we do yeah. know that um, past history does. A lot of times I find with first responders that the emotion that they felt when they were in that call reminds them of something that happened long ago, maybe even in childhood. So then you can okay. deal with that. You know, you could use the trauma work, the EMDR, brain's body. You can use all of that to access that original trauma and work through it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of yeah. people understand, okay, my body remembered this and then this other incident happened and, you know, now it's my body's remembering that and going back to that, reacting again like that. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. The more people understand yeah. what's happening, and that's what I tried to do in my book and how we was here, explain that, you know, that that's, those are things that happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's a, like you said, it's really important to identify the feelings and know that what kind of what it is from the past, maybe that's making you feel that way. Um, Yeah. And definitely then just, you know, finding the ways, whether it's, you know, whether it's a therapy dog or whether it's, you know, whether it's meditation, finding the ways for you that, help express you or just you know help you relax in a in a a way to help you get through the trauma yes and so i would say once the understanding is there and you have a social component Mm -hmm. in place then there's all kinds of things that you can do to center yourself yourself feel better i mean breathing i mean there's just many many things to do and it's just Mm -hmm. mastering those techniques and the other thing is that um 
what I try to do is not just mastering those techniques. I one of the parts of the journey is that um, well, I talk about the 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 figurative death of the hero, where you give up a lot of your beliefs that you have about yourself. You know, first responders, and you know, a lot of us all feel like you know we can handle it. We you know we don't need anybody. We we're, we can push on through, and it's kind of like you have to give that up. You have to yeah. You know that you you need other things there to help you, and so it's kind of like the old you dies and the new you, which is better, comes in. And then, yeah, you know, I talk about post traumatic growth too that can come from this, and post traumatic growth. You know that occurs when you have been through an ordeal and you learn how to manage it and manage yourself and you can actually be better you can actually have you know more connection to yourself more connection to your family a better connection to nature more spirituality it's actually a leap and so i've seen this and in the book that's in how you were sealed i tried to show how people had done this how they had changed and they were even better than they were before they were more you know more competent more confident yeah, that's uh it's that's a really interesting concept because somebody that I spoke to on here a while ago, they framed it in a very similar they called it post traumatic optimism. So in a in a completely similar way and it it really opened up my eyes as well to that understanding because you're right in the sense as well when you say about how the old you dies and then this new you is reborn and it's when you go through something so traumatic to move into this new person and, and, and to let go of the past, you can end up from what you've been through, your eyes can open to experiences that, and, and ways of looking and ways of thinking and just, just a whole different kind of world just arrive sometimes after you've been through what you've been through in a, in a growth mindset or in an optimistic mindset, you look at the world so differently. And I think that, you know, I think that maybe it might be a case of that could be something where people don't necessarily understand that what I've just said and what you've just said, unless they've been through it as well, because some people might hear that and think that sounds crazy that you can go through something like that. And then you can obviously, you know, hit rock bottom and you can go you know, to some very dark places, but then you can almost come out with this growth mindset or this optimism. It's, some people, I, I do think, they think it's crazy because they're like, how? But I think when you do go that low and when you've been through that traumatic event, you there's somewhere inside you just wants to change. Well, and not everybody does that. And you have to work at it. No, 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 no. But it's, um, it's a, a remarkable. It's remarkable to see people do this. I mean, yeah, the people in How Your Heroes Heal, they all have had post-traumatic growth in one way or the other. The other thing that I think is really important is a sense of purpose. And, you know, first responders go into their jobs in the beginning with a sense of purpose because they're going to say, yeah, right. So what happens when they get a post-traumatic stress injury is that purpose could be completely taken away. They're just lost. They don't know what to do. They feel like they can't do their jobs. They feel like they're going to make a mistake. 
And so, mm-hmm. you know, their sense of purpose is kind of shattered. And getting a purpose back is just essential for this post-traumatic growth. Yeah. And, you know, Viktor Frankl said, basically, you know, you can handle anything as long as you have purpose, as long as you know what your purpose is. And, you know, it's amazing. I mean, the purpose might not be the same thing as it was before. It might not be just rescue, but it can be getting involved in a peer support program and helping other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or it can be, you know, a new relationship with the family that they have a, a better focus on their family and the purpose yeah. to take care of their family. You know, I have, I have one guy that I just saw that is like, you know, when I did the job and he was involved in a lot of critical incidents, a lot of officer involved shootings, very difficult things. And he said, you know, I realized my family is the important thing and that's what I need to focus on. I mean, yeah. the department's not going to be there on the deathbed, you know, your family <laughs> there. So, you know, focusing on his children is his new purpose. And mm. it's it's really wonderful to see that transfer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that, um, do you ever find that when you do speak to these people that they, they wish they hadn't gone through what they'd gone through? Or do you find sometimes they say, you know what, I'm, I'm glad I did. A lot of times they say, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but I'm glad that I, you know, I'm glad if it had to be somebody, I'm glad it was me. I'm glad that I learned from it what I did. And, uh, you know, they're they're really, I'm so honored to be able to work with this population because they're so cool. I mean, they're wonderful. (laughs) You know, they're, and they're funny too. That's the other thing. Very funny. They have wicked senses of humor. So I'm just so grateful. That, yeah. And and the people that shared their stories, I'm so grateful that they did that too, because yeah. that was kind of hard. You know, they were they had to go through some some deep stuff to do that. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate that they they honored me with their stories. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's what's amazing is that with your book and with everything that you you're doing is you are helping give people hope and you're helping inspire people and you're changing people's lives. Well, I hope so. That that's purpose, <laughs> you know. And you know, <laughs> I wrote it too. It's not just for the first responder. It's for their families and other people, anybody that has been through, you know. So, I mean, it's really you have to spend a lot of time with their families talking to them about what's happening. You know, a lot of times I'll see family members and I'll say, look at, you know, your dad isn't just being mean. This is what he's gone through and how it's changed. We're going to get him back to where he's, you know, having a good life again. So. Yeah. 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 I think that's important. A really important point to make is, when someone is going through a trauma or you know or whatever it is the event in their life it's not just them it is the people around them so if it's not if you can't you know whether it's them whether it's the person kind of in mind or whether it's their surrounding network of friends or family whoever's life that you can you can speak to or you can give hope or you can even help you know change that person's understanding that's just, you know, even one step and one person in helping the event that's happening. 
Well, it, it is. It, it can be. It is a family affair because you can't have a post-traumatic stress injury and not affect other people. I mean, you know, yeah. foods, the isolation, hypervigilance, you get, you know, you're jumpy at everything, all those symptoms yeah. of PTSD. And plus, what it does to your belief about yourself, you know, the, the guilt, inappropriate guilt, or sometimes the guilt over things that they couldn't control. That happens a lot. Um, yeah. Where they, nobody, they didn't talk to anybody about how they felt, and they end up feeling guilty. You know, if I turned right instead of left, the baby would have lived. No, you know, yeah. it, it's just not going to work out. They're going to have calls that don't work out, but they feel responsible. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. done something different, which is pretty, pretty difficult for a first responder because you have to be able to go out there and think, I'm going to do the right job. You know, yeah. self-doubt yeah. kind of messes it up. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. And it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely, like you said, it's, it's learning to understand what your act, you know, what you've done and your actions and, and, and the guilt, guilt is a, guilt is a very hard emotion. <laughs> guilt is a very hard emotion to process. And that's the thing is people process it very differently, but it is, it is finding ways to deal with the guilt. Yes, and it guilt can kill you. When um, yeah. after the after the thing with my grandfather, after I went to the Holocaust Museum, I went to a conference, and there was a guy named Mr. Aronson who did a, a movie called The Fighter Pilot Story, which was just very intense. And um, yeah. I went up to him afterwards and I said, "Look at this is what happened to my grandfather. You know, he he talked." He wrote a letter to my grandmother talking about the 50 boxcars of bodies that they didn't get in time. And you could tell that he felt so guilty. He did not get there in time to save all those people. And I said, I'm mm. because he, you know, when he was at West Point, he was a jokester and very popular and, uh, you know, people just loved him. And then he turned into this very bitter, isolated, angry old man. Yeah. And um, I don't understand what happened. And Mr. Aronson said, so you have to understand that he had great guilt. And I said, why would he have guilt? I mean, he, you know, he liberated those people. And he said he felt guilt because he was afraid. And that's, I always remembered that. And that, you know, when a first responder feels afraid, not that it's not normal, it is. I mean, they should feel afraid, you know. Who runs yeah. bad guys? Who runs under burning? Yeah. <laughs> Normal people feel afraid, right? but if they yeah. do, that that really it contributes to the post traumatic stress injury and the guilt. Yeah, yeah, I know, I understand. So, kind of, if you had any advice then for somebody that say they're listening and they they're at the not the beginning, but you know, they're at the, you know, the events just happened or they're going, they're going through the deep part of the trauma at the moment and they, they don't see their purpose. They don't have any hope. What, 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 what advice would you give them? There, you know, our, I mean, we have come so far since I did my postdoc at the VA hospital. I mean, we have come so far in terms of understanding and treatment. And to me, it's just, I mean, in my career, you know, we've gone from, kind of saying, oh, it was shell shock. They were just messed up to begin with. 
to, we have all these treatments now and, um, you know, get treatment. Don't put it on. Why carry it around with you? Talk to somebody, find somebody that you can trust and talk to them. And the more education you get about it, the better it's going to be. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. There is hope and, and, you know, it takes a long time for post-traumatic growth, but, you know, it's there. You can be even better yeah. to help other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's definitely the key message is that there is hope and you can you can help, you know, you can grow and you can help others as well. So it's definitely important to remember. Yes, it is. So. Yeah. So where can people find your book if they do want to purchase it? It's on Amazon. And I know there's an Amazon mm-hmm. UK. Um, you can get it there. I'll hold up. The, here's what the cover looks like. Yes. I, I, I <laughs> love the cover design that they do. It's just, it's just, you know, you can see the person in the on the mountaintop, and that's you know yeah. a lot of what I've seen with the people I work with. They just accomplish so much, and and they're such wonderful people. So. Um, yeah. Anyway, it can be on and get on, gotten on Amazon, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I would be happy <laughs> to read it. <laughs> I love the front cover of it. I think, I think, uh, I think it's 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 definitely the way with the mountain. It's when you're going through your trauma, or when you're going through whatever it is that you're going through. It is such a climb. It is such a journey to get to the top of the mountain. It is such a journey to get there. But once you feel like you're even close or you're, you're, you know, you can see the top, it's one of the most beautiful feelings. And I, I just think that, yeah, the cover, I think the cover says everything. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's okay. So is there anything else that you do want to discuss or you want to share today? Um, I think just to, you know, say again, it's, there's hope for this. And, you know, the marvelous thing is that during my career, we've gone from feeling pretty helpless, treating it, understanding it, and Mm -hmm. to the point we are now where there's a lot more resources. And, you know, you can, you can get help. So do so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it's it's definitely important. It's you can get help, and also that you're not crazy. I think that's uh, that's definitely something to know. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. just a, your you know your normal brain doing what it has to do to keep you alive. Exactly, exactly. We've all felt it. We've all thought we were crazy at some point. So <laughs> again, that's a, that's the thing to remember that we're not alone. We've all felt it. Yes, you're not alone. Just be, and just being able yeah, to exactly. else has been the same thing is immensely helpful. Mm, definitely, definitely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Woolley. It's amazing how much resonates, even when you're not a first responder, as traumas and triggers can happen to all of us in different ways. Remember, the next time your mind and body are reacting in an uncomfortable way, you're not crazy. This is normal to how you are dealing with the situation. So this week, when you are triggered, know that it is a trigger that you can learn to overcome. And don't forget to grab a copy of How Heroes Heal. 
So thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.